Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Write For Your Life podcast. I'm joined today by Manuela Boyle. Good afternoon, Ian. Good afternoon. And um, we're going to be talking about um, motivation. So, uh, as in the what motivates a person to write in the first place. Why bother starting? Is it for money or is it for love? And, uh, and other such questions. And, marvellously... It's an interactive episode because um, I asked people on Twitter what they thought. I asked the question, what motivates you to write? And um, got lots of interesting answers. So we'll, um, we'll use those when we run out of things to say. Great. Who goes first? What, mot- what motivates you to write? Um, I remember a read... I might have talked about this before, so forgive me if I have. But I remember reading a, an interview with Bjork or Björk a while ago and she said in her interview that she was asked why she wrote music and why she wrote wrote songs and she said she absolutely had to do it she had to do it it was like breathing for her it was this fundamental thing now that's a kind of a type of of motivation Um, I can happily say that um, that I don't need to write in the same way like I need to breathe well not happily but I'm not I'm not like Bjork in that respect when it comes to writing however in saying that I do actually write every day so perhaps I take it for granted a little bit but I write I suppose because I I've always done it I've loved I love doing it it comes naturally to me some of the time um and I can't imagine what I would I would rather do than writing what about you Ian why do you write um, well, I, I, we've kind of we've I've, I've, we've kind of talked about this a little bit before. I write during the day. I'm a copywriter because it's um, it's, it's um, what I've kind of trained to do and what I have experience in, and and I, I, I enjoy it more than I I imagine I would if I was a um, I don't know a bin man, although you never know, or a garbage collector, as they may call them in the US. Um, so in in a, in a way, it's kind of a functional thing. But then, um, at the same time, it's I think it's there is still an element of uh, there are still traces of the reasons that I write fiction, which is to to feel like I'm the only person to have created a particular thing. Mm. So like that I've, for instance, my novel. It's I'm the only person in the whole wide world who's created that thing, and um, that's that kind of motivates me to do it the idea of wanting to uh, there's a potential for me to sound like a ponce throughout this but I'm going to start here and say uh, the idea of creating art of creating something of of making something new that hasn't been done before of original creation yeah I guess so and um, I, I mean I don't think there's a right or wrong answer I think that's the, the other thing that Never. I, I want to say mm. um but I guess also, um, again, thinking about fiction um, and the answers that we've had on Twitter are from uh, creative writers and copywriters and journalists, so we have got a good mix. Um, but in terms of fiction and for why and, and writing my novel and that kind of thing, for me it was it was to build a career and it still is to build a career. And it's a fairly silly thing to do to try and build a career writing books for a living because it's incredibly difficult. But that is still how I approach it. Even, even as still an unpublished novelist, I still feel like I'm. The point of doing it is to try and have, at some point in my life, it might take a while, but to have a catalogue of novels that have 
that are all mine and that have helped me build a career and that becomes what I do. Um, but also motivated, the part of, part of that is, is to be uh, motivated to be part of the canon. That's another Ponce alert uh, <laughs> sort of thing to say. Indeed. <laughs> but, um, you know, I want to be, I've read all my life, I did an English degree and I write because I want to be part of that heritage. I understand where my novel or my novels, where I might fit in the grand scheme of things and I want to be part of the grand scheme of things. Um, so, and am I allowed to talk about my band? Your band? Yeah, you see now that... Not pa- again. That pause there I implies... thought we hadn't, we hadn't talked about that for a while, for good reason. I know. It does sort of imply that I'm still in one. But back in the late 90s, I was in a band, and I was crap. I couldn't sing to save my life. I'd never done it before. But I did it, and I threw myself into it, because for the same reasons that I wanted to be able to say, I've done that, and no one else has. No one else is the lead singer of Magnet Wilson, and um, they never what will What was the be. name again, sorry? Uh, Magnet Wilson. Mm. <laughs> it's like a Wilson Phillips, but better. Um, and girl magnet, obviously, at the time. Well, we didn't have a strap line, but I mean, or I didn't. Let's not go there. So, um, a lot of uh, uh, part of the reason I want I've said all those things is because I think that um, I, ha- I feel like I have to be careful the way I word this, and I realise that I've talked solidly for about ten minutes now, but. A lot of the focus on, um, certainly on in, the, on, in the blogs and in the news, mm. in the rise of e-publishing and self-publishing, I get slightly worried about how much focus there is on the money. So it isn't always Amanda Hockin has sold lots of books and has got all these readers. It's look how much money she's made and yes. all that kind of thing. Now, I'm not naive enough to, to not be... Um, uh, to not think that that's important uh, or a reason to uh, get excited about it, and I completely understand. But I think uh, it, it, I kind of wonder where it would. It worries me that people might start writing because they can, they think it's a way to earn money. I would hope that for most people, it's and again another alert, but it's art first and then money, hopefully, or money money second. Do you think that's me being very naive? I don't think you're being naive. Maybe a little bit idealistic, but there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think what you're saying is is that quality should always be at the forefront of someone's mind and the way that you've got a kind of larger purpose and a larger sense of why you're writing is great. But I don't think everyone has that or their purpose is perhaps different. Some people feel that they don't want to be part of the canon or they want to be part they want to be sort of recognized within their field which might not be a literary can the literary canon for instance in a particular country or or genre um and really at the same time i think that actually there is absolutely nothing wrong with obviously um seeing writing as a kind of a way of earning your living and, and aiming to do that and sort of wanting to be paid for what you do However, I do also think that there is a bit of there's a sort of self-actualization narrative that's quite strong when it comes to um, selling your work and, and self-publishing and so on. And actually, for me, quality is something that the quality check should come first before you start to think, hmm, maybe I could make money out of this. Because ultimately, you have to think this is good. Someone else is going to be interested in this, or a lot of other people are going to be interested in this, and they probably want to pay for it. So therefore, whatever genre or discipline you're writing and creating art in it's got to be good first 
And that, I think that would be my, my take on it, really. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not saying that... I'm, uh, again, uh, me explaining myself, I'm not, I'm not sort of anti-self-publishing in any way at all. Um, it's, more, uh, it's more a case of saying that... Um, I mean, for instance, I'm, I'm saying that, and I'm, there are people I know, or the bloggers I know, that have made, you know, a de- not necessarily a living yet, but a decent amount of money through just publishing, self-publishing their, their books. They've built up an audience with their blog, the way that I've done, and then, and then they've made money out of it. And I'm sat here like a potentially an utter numpty, waiting and waiting, and hoping, hoping that I will get published traditionally. So... Who's the fool here? You might say, and uh, and I think that's a fairly valid point. It's it's quite quite difficult to argue against that. I mean, it genuinely is. It's difficult for me to sit here and, and and on some kind of gigantically high horse and pretend that I'm in any way doing the right thing. That's not not what I'm trying to say at all, really. But I think what you said is, um, well, it is is about is about quality. I do. I would like to think that before that people would that anyone would make you know before you send it off to an agent or a publisher whatever you do with your work that you're 100% happy with it before you start putting it out there um, and that it's not a load of old turd well <laughs> indeed <laughs> to paraphrase, paraphrase someone very famous indeed but uh, um, I've lost my train of thought now sorry that no, was it's, my fault it's not at all. interjecting was, with a stupid my comment. train of thought was already well off the rails before um, you started uh, before you interrupted, sorry, not you started though. <laughs> I apologise. I'm losing it a bit. This is what happens if I start talking about money. Well, I don't know. I think I do think that when you compare writing to say other art forms like music, um, like visual arts, for for instance, um, that there is a kind of ex- a bit of a sort of exciting cloak of excitement that surrounds people that make their own music and get, you know, sort of the Arctic monkeys thinking of them and how they publicise themselves, built up their own fan base, use the internet, so they kind of self-actualised in a way. The same goes for people that, say, can't get a gallery to represent them, artists, and of which there are thousands and thousands, so they'll stage their own art exhibition. It's that DIY ethic. There's a glamour to the DIY ethic that surrounds music and visual arts in the same way there's not quite the same glamour when it comes to publishing, I think. Yeah. Um, there is still a, perhaps a bit of snobbery, I think, around um, towards self-publishing mm. in that respect. Um, and maybe it's because... Well, no, I don't know. I don't know why that is. It's just publishing is a sphere that still seems to kind of have a bit of a strange noblesse oblige sense to it where it's by someone will come along and say okay young man yes your writing's great I will give you a book deal and Mm. I'll put you in touch with this person there's a lot more mystery surrounding it and the the DIY ethic there just isn't that glamour compared to say other art forms and maybe that's but that is that is exactly what's changing though isn't it that is well it is the mechanics are changing yes and and which is absolutely I, I haven't got any problems with that whatsoever at all and um, I think that the, the comparison with music is quite an interesting one I think again what my, what my problem is, is with this is what I'm, what I'm trying to say I think the, the reason when I say that I want to create something I've, you know, I've got all these <laughs> theoretically uh, you know highbrow tendencies or the way you know but, but everything that I've just said the whole point is that I want to be want to be read um, and I think that that is no different to people who uh, publish independently. I think the point is to be read, and that's that's the most amazing thing about um, 
the being able to do that so easily now. The same DIY thing that we have with the music industry is now absolutely with us with the publishing industry. And why absolutely why should shouldn't someone put their work out there if they want to be read? And that's a fantastic motivation to uh, to write, and that is what motivates me is to have created something unique and yes. for it to be read by others. I think I hope people listen that far to actually hear that sentence, and that's actually what I meant to say the first time. Um, but the one thing that seems to be the problem is that a lot of the focus at the moment seems to be does seem to be on money, in the sense that uh, in a lot of the bloggers uh, uh, and a lot of the um, you know, mainstream news articles are focusing, really focusing on how much money uh, some one-off cases have made through self-publishing or through independent publishing. And I just worry that that's not really where the, where the focus should be. I think it, it should be on, look how easy it is now to get your work out there and, and to do it and get a readership and be successful um, in lots of, lots of other ways that aren't just related to finances. Maybe that's a, a, a right for your life article. The fact is, is that if you, those news articles, they're always going to make the, make the headlines if they're about these amazing stories of someone that's made a million pounds or a million dollars mm. through self-publishing their, what started out as a pamphlet. They're always going to hit the headlines, those sorts of... So maybe they, they clog the sort of people's editorial perceptions of, of the issues because they're, they hit the news and they raise people's... Um, they raise people's expectations um, unfairly, perhaps. Yeah, that, that's. Oops, sorry about that. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. I think it is because I think the reality, and probably the reality that we're heading towards, is that there will be you're as much likely to you're likely to earn as much or get a similar sort of readership through self-publishing as you are through traditional publishing for the for the average. Uh, Joe, there will be sort of outside cases in both examples, in uh, both ways of doing it. I think, and there are. Um, but I think it is this idea of expectation. It kind of is it's in the in the fever of, of uh, you know the uh, e-revolution and everything that's happening and taking off. Um, let's not get lost in thinking that you can be an overnight millionaire by putting an e-book out there. I couldn't agree more. Sorry, I know you were going to say something else. Then, no, but no, that was. I have to interrupt occasionally. That um, was. <laughs> um, I couldn't agree more. And for me, it's the same principle that that applies to um, the cult of celebrity, reality television shows, all of those things. The fact is, no, not all of you are going to be famous. Not all of you are going to be pop stars. Um, and not all of you are going to be successful writers, no matter what. Um, the mechanics are, no matter how you know how easy it is to publish a book, or how easy it is to get on a reality television show, how easy it is to kind of work the circuit and become a you know minor celebrity. It's it's to do with talent ultimately, and I'm, that might sound, make me sound naive and old-fashioned, but frankly, there isn't room for everyone, and you've got to sort of be good and stand out to to get on. Indeed. Let's leave that there. I took that conversation in a completely different direction. So let's... Shall we go to our, um, our tweets from other people? Let's, let's. Uh, it's like a phone-in, but it's it, tweeting, really, it is. isn't it? And, and, the, and the calls have already been made. Okay, so um, this is from... This is, so what motivates you to write? This is from uh, Olimin Wright. So at O-L-I-M-I-N-N Wright. Um, and he or she says, I can't remember... Which gender? I feel rubbish if I don't. So avoidance of grumpiness does it for me. That's a great reason to write. It is. I mean, I I feel pretty rubbish, guilty. I feel guilty if I don't if I don't do anything, which is perhaps a similar sort of thing. Yeah. 
Um, Aaron Mankey at A-M-A-H-N-K-E, um, member of the old Read and Trust Network that I'm part of. Um, my desire to make things up and let people read them, building worlds and then playing host to those who visit. Oh, that was lovely. <clears throat> Very nice, similar to what I said about the idea of creating something that yeah. no one else has done. Um, here's one from our old pal in real life, Matthew Meller. Matthew underscore yes, Meller. Indeed. Deadlines. Perversely, I love the things. <laughs> Always was a bit of a nutcase. Um, and this is uh, at Ben Ellis, but the E's are threes. Um, finishing something I created. So the idea of yeah. uh, the idea of creating but also actually getting to the end of it. Dave Kalo, um, of the unofficial Apple weblog fame, excuse me, I'm about to cough. <clears throat> he says my mortgage. <laughs> Which is an excellent answer. It is indeed. Uh, reading good writing at Smarter Bits. So um, likes to write because it's a uh, an open, well, actually, it could, that could mean that enjoy reading their own writing, which is good. I don't think that's what was meant there. But the, the, the idea of making a contribution, though, perhaps. Yes. Um, here's one from our dear colleague, Mr. Michael Beatty, at M. Beatty. What motivates uh, you to write? Nothing. That's the problem. <laughs> uh, Bubble Cow, money from publishers. So that's someone a bit further down the line than, uh, than me, of course. Um, and uh, pretty good reasons to do it, too. I guess maybe my attitudes will change if I actually get a book deal. I'm pretty sure they will. Uh, motivation to write. Exploring aspects of life from different angles, using words to convey experiences and emotions in new ways. And that's from... I at, like that. At Rev Happiness. And, and it, is, it is a very good one from iMike. That's I-M-Y-K-E. Mike Hurley, an internet pal. He says, the need for people to understand what my podcasts are about. So that's quite an interesting mm. one because some people aren't necessarily writers isn't their first thing but have yes. an interest in it and need to because it's a way of um, it's sort of built around the separate activities or career. So uh, that was it. There were some others but they were the only ones I got around to writing down on my, on my phone. That was a great response. Thank you to everyone who uh, contributed to that. Thanks listeners. Um, do you, you have some, you've got a piece of paper in front of you and I don't know anything about it. Yes. I've got a piece of paper in front of me, and it's a bite, my favourite thing this week, uh, which kind of segues beautifully from our um, tweet-in section there, and it's about a poet doing phone-ins of her work, which you might have read about this week. So it's um, an American poet called Heather Crystal, and she's launching a new collection of poems called The Trees, The Trees, which is her second collection of poetry, and lots of the poems in this collection um, are related to the, tel- the telephone and phone calls. Um, so she was having to think about how she, what she might do um, to, to launch the collection of books. And she came up with a great idea, um, which was to actually offer the service to interested parties of her reading her poems at certain times of, of the day. So almost um, holding a sort of a kind of effect, well, not a phone in, you, you phone the author and uh, ask her to read one of her poems, and she obliges. What a fantastic idea. 
So I love this story this week. Um, you know, if you if you Google Heather Christie Crystal, sorry, or also look on the Guardian Books um, section of, of the website, um, you'll find out a little bit more. So she's had sixty odd calls already from different people who just fancied a little bit of poetry in their day. Um, some of them sort of hang up nervously um, as soon as she's read the poem and the transaction's complete. Other people have a bit of a chit chat. So I think it's a great idea, and I think why this this kind of um, interests me so much what Heather Crystal's doing um, is that I just it's quite a sort of it's not a unique idea because she does mention that a chap called uh, John Giorno in the late 60s um, had a dial a poem project which was a bit similar although it used recordings but I just like that innovation that sort of thematic um, innovation that, that, that just complements the nature of your work the theme of your work it feels like it's a totally sort of um appropriate way of bringing it to life um, it's a bit gimmicky which I like but it's got it's got um, a realness to it because ultimately an authenticity you're actually having a conversation with the poet um, by, via the means which she sort of has inspired her to write a lot of the poems and also yes it's got great publicity but it just feels like an authentic activity that she wanted to do that went with the spirit of the poems that she's publishing I love it <laughs> that's that's kind of the best thing about uh, um, the, well one of the best things about the way that technology is transforming the publishing industry you feel much closer to authors projects like Unbound where you can kind of invest in we talked about this a couple of podcasts ago but where you invest in a project um, before it's been written but that means you get access to uh, the author's interviews and notes and all that kind of thing so you feel part of the process even just having um, you know, a, a website that you're active on. So a lot of authors' websites will be, um, they'll just be static pages where it's just go, where you go for information. But those authors that have got blogs and are active in social media, you feel like you've got much more access to them now. And this sounds like a, a, a very, even more direct route to the material by actually getting it spoken to you. I, I agree with you, and I also disagree with you. Okay. I think it's, no, I, I think it is. It is true. It's part of a, that wider sense of having access to to authors and, and sort of getting closer to them. But actually, the spirit of this feels something that's much older to me. That's something because it's it uses the telephone in that respect. So, I see, yeah. so yeah. it's it is a kind of it's an older sort of technology, and I think there's something really sort of pleasingly old-fashioned actually about um, making a phone call and I imagine the phone calls being made on an old-fashioned telephone rather than mobile <laughs> maybe that's just me but it has a feel of sort of 1970s performance art to me but it, for new times and I also think that while clearly the, the march of technology is relentless and it's transforming our lives the generation below us is um doesn't know a time that they've not had technology in their lives, etc., etc. So actually, in in that sort of in this new world, people do look for the older ways of connecting to other humans because they mean something a bit different. Because we're we've gone so far the other way, if that makes sense. It does make sense. So back to basics thing, the kind of shopping on your high street, even though you're shopping online. It's that. It's that sort of what happens in real life. What, what do you go back to IRL in real life whenever all these transactions are being completed online? And I think that's an example of that. Sounds good. I haven't, uh, I haven't read the story, so I'll make sure I check, if I check it out. And I will, I will uh, put it in the show notes. Hey! I do like saying that. Um, I think I haven't got a favourite thing. I just thought I'd... Oh, God, I can't believe it. I know. 
poorly organised. Is that you don't have any interest to anything, which we know is clearly not true. I know. Um, so I will uh, wish you'll leave it there and, and uh, meet up next time. So thanks for listening. Don't forget that you can, you can subscribe in iTunes. That would be terrific. And you can also leave reviews and say nice things, only nice things, in iTunes too, because that helps us... Um, in all kinds of ways that I don't really understand. But apparently it does. So say nice things in iTunes, subscribe, and um, thank you for listening.